0: Hello, welcome to the Limelight Podcast. This is Kepu Lauti, and today's interview is James Eager. He is one of three owners of the Training Room in American Fork, Utah. It is located right off of the 500 East exit in American Fork. You can look them up on Facebook, Instagram. The name is the Training Room, and their website is the. TrainingroomUtah.com, and today james he talks about how he got started and before the gym was even up and running or even had a location for the gym he dropped 120 grand lost it um just processing through the bank and just cut his losses basically doubled down and was able to find this location and build the gym And was able to build it back. And hope you guys enjoy this interview and be able to apply it in your own goals and in your life, too. Thank you. Hey, this is Limelight Episode 5. I am with James Eager. Am I saying last name right? Yes. All right. (laughs) All right, James, introduce yourself. Yeah.
1: So, I'm one of the owners of the training room gym in American Forks. So I have two partners, Brian Hall and Mike Ondom. Um, my background's in sports medicine. Uh, They're both personal trainers by background. And I've been around, done a lot of things, worked with BYU and UVU. Um, I worked have worked at Boeing doing on-site healthcare. And then we decided to open the training room. We started the, the project about four and a half years ago. And we opened doors we're we're now in our 10th month so just this okay, past yeah. year we finally opened doors on the training room in american fork
0: yeah how did you get your partners how i was like that how do you <laughs> meet each other that was like an
1: accident honestly yeah. so um, i had my practice and they were each running little personal training businesses And at one point, I got connected up with a guy who had a little gym space down in Orem. And I was wanting to continue the work that I've done with athletes for years. And so he and I started talking. He said, hey, I've got a little room over the gym. Would you mind coming and setting up over there? And then you can probably start getting patients from the gym clients. And I said, sure. Uh, At the time, uh, Mike and Brian were both training their clients. They were just subleasing space out of that gym, and I didn't really know them that well. I'd met Mike one time at Mm -hmm. at Vasa um, slash Golds. He was kind of a notorious figure. They're not like notorious bad. Like Everybody knew who Mike was, and so he would just wander around. He was friends with everybody, and we chatted once or twice there but nothing ever came of it, and then we end up in this little gym together, and this building was about 2,500, 3,000 square feet. My office was, I don't know, something like an eight by 10 room. I had a little front desk out front, but that's, I didn't have a lot of space, and um, I've always, been pretty skeptical of personal trainers because there's a lot of bad personal trainers Mm -hmm. out there and we don't have to digress and to go into all that (laughs) today on the podcast, but um, that's kind of, I was kind of standoffish from all the personal trainers who were at the space in the beginning, but then we started to talk and get to know each other a little bit and throughout that process, I realized that both Brian and Mike, even though they're very different as individual personal mm-hmm. trainers, were very knowledgeable. Yeah. They're very committed to being good personal trainers. They weren't just kind of throw things together. Who cares what happens? Um, they, I mean, they both have degrees in exercise science, which means they've actually got an educational background that yeah. helps them in their careers. And then because of my background, so I've got degrees in sports medicine and chiropractic medicine. Um, and Brian for sure was a little bit kind of leery of chiropractors, but I'm really not like most chiropractors. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not that into adjusting. Like I, I'm very, very evidence-based in my approach. I read a lot of research. I practice more like a physical therapist than anything else. So as we got to know each other, all of a sudden we kind of hit it off and without going into all the details of this kind of past and how we ended up doing what we were doing, um, Mike ended up leaving that spot because of some friction between him and the guy who owned the gym. And when that happened, Brian and I sat down, and we're like, man, this could happen to us. Like, yeah. if this happens to us, what are we gonna do next? And, and we'd kind of kicked the tires a tiny bit on opening our own place at some point. And then here we are thinking, well, now we really need to consider this next step. What are we gonna do? So I said, what if I start writing a business plan for what this next step would look like to to build our own gym, how big that would be, what kind of memberships we'd be doing, or would it be a personal training gym, and how all this would integrate what I do with what uh, Brian was doing. At this point, Mike was gone and we hadn't even involved him, but that's kind of how we got together. And then as we started kind of moving down this road... I said, Brian, I think we need to go talk to Mike and get Mike involved and because he's got some really good things he brings to the table, yeah. especially as far as his personal connections and how good he is at doing sales. And so I said, I think we should talk to him. So we went and talked with Mike, kind of showed him the business plan and even the, the layout for the gym that we designed and said, what do you think? And he was like, I'm 100% in, let's go. And So that was... That's the super short version yeah. of what ultimately was a two-year process, just getting to that point. Yeah, because
0: so. you guys eventually set this. T- it used to be a tags thrift mm-hmm. store, right off of five hundred East exit, yep. American Fork. Um, and but like throughout the process too, like all the planning, and you had how many spots did you guys have to like
1: go through yeah. before we finally settled here? Well, so originally we—I would say one of the spots we eyed the most was right off Center Street and University Ave in Orem, and that was it was the old Tuesday morning space, which I can't even think what's in it, but it's over there by Shopko and Smiths and PetSmart and all this that and the other. Yeah. Um, uh, so we eyed that space because I think that one was around 10,000 square feet, which we thought was a big enough to do what we wanted to do, but not so big that it was gonna be overwhelming. That was one of the first places we looked at, um, but we we continued to shop around a bunch of different spaces, and then we ultimately came to kind of a crossroads where we had an idea of the space we wanted, and we were kind of leaning strongly towards that one, and then the bank said, "Listen." we don't want you to lease a space. If you're going to do this, we want you to build a building because it will be a better asset. Yeah. And which was an interesting discussion with my wife because she was like, why is that better? Like that's four times as much debt. Yeah. Like she, and she was like totally freaked out about it. And I was mm-hmm. like, because if we go belly up, then the bank gets a building that they can turn around and sell. So from their perspective, our asset debt ratio is actually better than if we just leased a building because we don't have an asset there and she's like I don't that doesn't make any sense I'm like yeah well it's just (laughs) that's the problem with our kind of fictitious banking financial (laughs) system is that it's all it's all up in the air we all we all operate on tons and tons of debt and it's anyway so there we were and we said okay so we want to build a building and then we started looking at um, three different spots one down by the vineyard megaplex Mm-hmm. Um, which a lot of people know where that is now because it 's one of the only couple of movie theaters in orem, um, and that was still under development. Uh, it turns out the cost was pretty ridiculous down there price of land wise vineyard is super overpriced right now, in my opinion, so we looked at that a little bit, but we weren 't impressed with it too much, um, but it was it was an option and and we did like I kind of played hardball with them like when I met with the uh, Um, the couple who was developing it, I said, Listen, if we come in here with what's going on here right now, which was basically nothing, Mm -hmm. I said, I'm not paying to develop all this. Like like you're gonna pay to develop our parking lots and this and that and the other and they're like, Oh, why should we do that? And I was like, Because you got nothing. (laughs) And and they called me back like a week later and they're like, You're right, we'll we'll take it. (laughs) But But so we looked at that place, we looked at another place in Pleasant, or excuse me, not Pleasant Grove, in Linden was the other place, um, right off of State Street in Linden, super close Mm -hmm. to the police station. Um, It had some useful things about it, but some things that weren't amazing about it as far as access. Um, It was kind of sandwiched almost directly in between the American Fork Vasa and the Orem 800 North Vasa, which was kind of like a no man's land for gyms. So we thought, well, that's got some potential. And then the third spot we looked at was in Pleasant Grove uh, right over, I think it's Macy's grocery store, but it's right off Pleasant Grove Boulevard and State Street. Okay, yeah. And that was the one we ended up picking. And we went through a long process of, I mean, it didn't take that long, but it took longer than I would have liked. Several months of actually having um, civil engineers come in. So we actually had the property mapped out. We had designs laid out for both development of the property and the building. Um, We went through multiple hearings with Pleasant Grove City. We answered questions and arguments Uh from local community members. We had an issue where there was supposed to be an easement where we were going to have access to, to water rights and... Um, other utilities through a park an apartment complex or a condo complex that was right there behind us but then they didn't like that so then we went through like six or eight weeks of fighting with them and their homeowners association and trying to prove this and that and the other. Sounds and was like Yeah.
0: Were you like ready to quit? Oh I or? was super
1: frustrated yeah. but we were like we were excited about where we were and I like we were ready to bake break ground and these people at the condo complex was really one specific person who was kind of holding up and everyone else Mm -hmm. like what's wrong with you like we're going to get this great facility right next to us we'll be able to use it they're even going to make some concessions where we could use some of their parking after hours and like like why are you saying no to this and and this person was like well they should pay us a half a million dollars I was like (laughs) Yeah right. For your water rights access, I was like, that's worth like maybe three grand. Like, it's not worth five hundred thousand yeah. dollars. That's crazy talk. Like, we're and we're we're not millionaires rolling in here who are just made of money. We just throw it around because who the heck cares? Uh-huh. So, there we were. We finally got the paper signed by the Homeowners association to approve the easement. We were good to go and the uh, the city of Pleasant Grove approved it and I got the bids back for the building. They were about eight hundred thousand dollars over our projected budget. And so I went back to the bank and I told him that and the bank said, Great, you gotta come up with that eight hundred thousand dollars. And I was like, Whoa. I was like, if I had eight hundred thousand dollars sitting in my pocket, I wouldn't be talking to you guys. I wouldn't be building a building at all. I would just yeah. Done a lease and build out and bought my equipment and been done with it. And um, I later found out that what had happened with that bank is they financed a similarly sized gym project to ours. And at this point, we'd gone from 10,000 square feet to we we're looking at about 21,000 square feet for the gym. They financed a similarly sized gym project called Black Door Fitness that was going to be up in Riverton. Yes. And the building was finished. They would purchased the equipment. They were just trying to wrap up the last of the construction, and then the principal investor on the gym there went through a messy divorce, and the whole project went belly up before it ever opened doors. And so the bank was super panicky because of that, and so they're like, nope, this is what we agreed to finance, and if you want to finance it, if you need more money than that, you got to do it yourselves. And so I had to pull the plug, which was really hard, because honestly... Like, yeah, after I, a couple
0: I, months of going through oh, all that like
1: for like probably like 5 or 6 months yeah. but what was even scarier is we'd put about $120,000 into getting to that point to breaking ground. And so it was like we're going to pull the plug on this. That 120,000 is gone and it's never coming back. And that was a really really painful situation for me personally because <clears throat> I had basically committed all of my assets to this business. All the money that I had accumulated over the years is like, this is going into this, it's either it goes or it doesn't go, and there was $120,000 gone. And and I couldn't use it for the future project, I couldn't, so it became a discussion of, is this it? Are we done before we ever open, or do we continue to move forward? And that was a really hard decision for me personally, Mm -hmm. because we still had some money in the bank, And so I talked with my wife. I said, you know, I'm really trying to decide, should we just cut bait, right? Should we just walk away and be like, okay, we lost a ton of money, but let's keep what we got left, and we'll just move on and do what we do. Um, I think a
0: lot of people, once they, it's like, man, I I put in X amount of work on it, and it's like 120 grand down the drain. You'll never see it again. A lot of people are like, I guess it's not meant to be, you know? It's like, oh. It's a sign of me not. Yeah. It's not meant to be. It's like, I'm not meant to own this gym. I'm not meant to be a business owner. And so, like, what kind of helped you get over that?
1: So, for me, like, I don't know what your listening audience is like, Uh but this became kind of a spiritual decision, right? So, I had been frustrated with my practice for a few years. I didn't like what I did. Like, it was... Like, the patients I was seeing, it wasn't exciting to me, it, mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't really like kind of playing the game of traditional healthcare, which is, again, a whole different discussion, which we don't have to get into right now. But I, I consider health care to be a leech on the population of the United States. It just sucks everybody dry. It doesn't do that much good for them. I hated being a part of that system, even though I felt like I did it really well. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't willing to play the game and bleed people dry, and so I wasn't making that much money because everything I was doing was about how can I make my patients better, not how can I suck money out of them. And because I didn't want to play the game, instead of making like crap loads of money like everybody else, I was still struggling. I mean, in fact, so I had about, at that point, 1,500 patients on my books mm-hmm. at, at my practice. If I was running it like a traditional physical therapist or a chiropractor or whoever, and I was getting 20 visits a year out of those people, I would have been making like $250,000 a year. But I wasn't running it that way yeah. because I didn't want to bleed my patients dry. The whole point was fix them and get them outdoors. So anyway. That's that's the super quick version of why. I was really fed up with my practice, and I didn't really want to do it anymore. And so I, I'd i been talking to my wife about all this stuff. I was like, if the gym doesn't go, then I'm going to close my practice, and I'm probably going to go back and work at a university like I did before. And so, I mean, there's jobs out there. I could have tried to work for yeah, BYU no. or or you used to or- work...
0: With- you used to be part of the football program over there too, right? Uh, well, I was
1: with BYU's rugby team as their head athletic trainer, but I worked with a lot of different sports, uh, football, basketball, baseball, uh-huh. dance. I mean, at one point I'd even been offered the position as the head athletic trainer with BYU Dance, and I turned it down, which is, a, again, a whole nother discussion. But yeah. But that was going to be like $72,000 a year, and we were struggling financially at the time, and I was starting my practice, and it was mm-hmm. like... That was that was a hard decision too. But so here I was, hated my practice, just had hit a major roadblock for getting the gym open. And I said yeah. to my wife, I was like, it's either the gym or I go take a job working for somebody else, which is fine. And mm-hmm. I, I was at that point I was like, I don't even care. Like, I don't even care if I do healthcare at this point anymore. Like, I'll go happily work construction. And yeah. build homes and work myself up to a foreman position. Like, you know, like I, at that point, at that point, I was like, I really, I don't care what I do. Like, I just want to. What was
0: the tipping point here? so,
1: so my wife was like, well, you, you know, you love healthcare, you love helping people, you, this and that and the other. Sure, you want to abandon it? And I said, no, I really do like helping people, but I'm not sure that I can do that in a way that makes me happy. And so I'd rather just go do something and earn decent money than make myself miserable trying to play these stupid games. And so she said, well, let's, you know, and then it st- we started talking about, like, let's pray about it, right? Let's yeah. and And there had been a lot of things that have happened over the years that I felt like had pointed us in the direction of opening the gym, right? I mean, things that, like, as far as, even going to like chiropractic school, I wouldn't have picked chiropractic school probably 99 times out of 100 if you gave me the same choice over and over again. Mm-hmm. But that's what we did, and that was part of the impetus like because of things that happened with uh, getting the credentialing that I got and certain doors closing that had previously been open to me because I was a chiropractor. And it all seemed to be kind of funneling us towards this gym, and I remember... Talking with my wife, even a couple of other people I knew well saying it's really frustrating because I feel like I didn't really pick this path, but I feel like I was put on this path because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, and and so anyway, we prayed about it. We ultimately felt like this was the right decision and So we said well, let's find a new place and then Tags Thrift was going out of business. They were looking for somebody to sublease um, mm-hmm. the space from them, and it, and it was like this is like this must be it. Like we can open faster by doing it this way. We can save money by doing it this way. Maybe this is what we were supposed to do all along, and we just had to go through all this to get to this point. And so that was really kind of for us is like okay, maybe this is really what we're supposed to do. And I wish I could say that since getting to that point, it's all been super easy. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh yeah, like after that, then we made like crap tons of money and like we never worried about anything ever again. But that's not the reality, like every day, I come in and I feel like there's something new that I have to deal with. Yeah, And that's I think that's most business owners experience is that there's always something that's like, when everything's going right, you're like, oh, but crap, then we got this dropped on us and I have to deal with this. Whether it's issues with employees or like today I got our personal property tax statement from the state of Utah i 'm like, "Oh yeah, thanks. I love, I love this guy it's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like this really helps me as a business owner, like I paid sales tax on it, and now you want me to pay personal property tax on it every year like the way to, way to help out the small business owner like this is really yeah. I could sell you want a burgeoning economy here yeah. because you're trying to hose us so much, but yeah in a way
0: though it's like it's a good thing that you're getting new problems mm-hmm. rather than Going through the same old problems over yeah. and over because it's a sign of you're progressing, you know? Yeah. You're, you're getting new problems. Um, more so, money, more
1: problems. Exactly, yeah.
0: <laughs> and so, uh, like, right now you guys are in the building stages. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, what are some things, like, some successes you had, like, in the way, like, yeah, you went from losing, dropping 120 grand down the drain. <laughs> Then you ended up going back to leasing, which was your original mm-hmm. idea then.
1: Yeah, so we've had, I would say we've had a number of good successes. So uh-huh. the the first month we opened, which was July of last year, um, I was feeling really good about everything. I mean, I'd been putting in stupid amounts of hours for no money. I was no longer paying myself out of my practice. Mm-hmm. Everything that was coming from that was going into the gym project. I was drowning. I said, hey, we really need to hire a gym manager because otherwise I'm gonna have a nervous breakdown. Sure. And we hired a gym manager. And that kind of fell in our lap. Um, and, and everything seemed to be going well. And July, we did way less revenue than we expected to. And it was really kind of a hard blow. In fact, the last week of July when I was kind of panicking and I'm the one who looks at most of the finances. So I sat with my partners down I said, hey guys, uh, next week, I'm gonna pay payroll and rent on the gym, and we're gonna be broke. And they were like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, yeah, it's a little concerning. <laughs> like we're yeah. gonna literally have no money left." And it was kind of a wake up call um, that hey, we need to really kind of get our get our act in gear and start doing stuff. And then in August, we doubled revenues in one month. And that was huge, it was like, oh my gosh, we're not gonna be bankrupt next month, this is, this is so much better. And we didn't even do a good job of marketing. Like, uh-huh. like we, In fact, I would say that's one of our biggest ongoing struggles because the three of us, we're not born marketers, that's not what we do. Yeah. And we have a lot of other strengths, but marketing is not our strength. And so to double revenues, in a single month like that was huge. And then we had steady growth. So from from doubling from July to August, then we had steady growth all the way up through November. December was a little bit of a jump back, but that was our first month where we hadn't grown. And so for the first whatever that was, five months we've plateaued yep. in December. Well, we had a little bit of a setback. We we did a little bit less revenue in December, but uh-huh. a lot of what our revenues are is from personal training. So what happens is in December, a lot of people, because they're focused on the holidays, November, December, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, they're not hitting the gym as much. They're not doing this and that and the other. And so we had a little bit of a slowdown. And then January, we absolutely crushed it. And so January... We went from a slight step back in December to absolutely obliterating our previous best month ever in January. So January was like, this is amazing! And for me personally, so I was not taking a salary all this time. Uh January, we hit the revenue threshold at which, I, at which I said I would take a salary, and so I was like, "Hallelujah! Like yeah, I'm we'll gonna get, get paid." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, which was super exciting. My wife was super excited about that. Yeah. I mean, that was like from a personal thing. That's a huge success. It's like I'm gonna get paid. Yeah, this is so fun. Like you
0: put in so much. Yeah. money. you had <clears throat> what 1,500 clients in your previous practice, uh-huh. and it's like you're given. All the, you can say like, yeah, it's pretty good. Like for yeah. one man show, you got fifteen hundred yeah. clients, yeah. and it's like I'm doing pretty good. And it's like, it's like you kind of just hit a wall, and then it's like, all right, let yep. me go for something bigger. Then you hit that losing a hundred. Oh, yeah. K down, and it's like all <laughs> these things, but then now it's like okay. Some people take a couple of years to be able to pay themselves, and that. Yeah,
1: and honestly, like I go back and forth. So one of the first things that happened for me at that point is I, because I was really, really busy, mm-hmm. um, and so I went to my partners and my wife in in separate meetings, and I said, "Hey, I'm thinking I'm not going to take my full salary mm-hmm. because I'm so busy." I don't have time to do anything but patient care. Because at that point I was seeing patients 55 to 60 hours a week. So when am yeah, I supposed to, yeah, training. here at the gym. So when am I supposed to do my administrative work for the business if all I'm ever doing is patient care? Yeah. And and on top of that, I was going up to ESPN radio once a week in the evenings. So there was days where I literally wouldn't see my kids. I mean, typical business owner stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, I was just gone and always busy and not getting paid for it and this and the other. And so I said, "Hey, rather than take my salary, I was thinking I would take a half salary and then let's hire somebody to help with patient care part-time." Mm-hmm. And my partner's like, "Hey, it's your money, you can do whatever you want with that, that yeah. salary, right?" Like, like we don't really care. Like, I mean, they were like, "We feel like you should get paid, but like, yeah, I mean, if that's how you want to do it, then then do it that way." And then I sat and talked down talked with my wife, and this was a funny conversation because my wife, I get a lot of um, I, grief is the word I'm going to use but she's very supportive mm-hmm. but she was having a hard time because I was gone so much right yeah. so I'm going to say she, I was getting a lot of grief from her for being but I like understand my wife has been very supportive that's not I'm not saying that I just don't know how else to kind of portray that she's like it's tough having yeah. like we have four kids we have four so, kids teamed up yeah. on
0: one one parent yeah <laughs> yeah
1: and my wife teaches a BYU Pathways course too so we're really busy and so I said to my wife, I said, hey, um, so this is what I was thinking about doing, taking a half salary and hiring somebody else part-time to help with patient care. What do you think about that? And she said, she was like, I don't know. Like, I mean, at that point, you know, we've put so much money into mm-hmm. it. She, she wants to get paid, right? Because we're still living off the last of the money we have in our bank account. And and what little she's bringing in from BOE Pathways, which isn't a lot. It's like, I don't know, like $11,000 a year from that. So yeah. it's not a lot of money. And, and I said, okay, um, I want you to think about this, though, because here's the deal. Realize that if I continue, if I take that full salary and don't hire somebody, so I'm probably gone even more. Yeah. I said, so it's up to you. I don't mind continuing to work like a dog and get paid, but I'm gonna be gone a lot. And her response was, we'll just keep working like a dog. And I was like, really? I was like, are you serious? Cause that's not her yeah. MO at all. Like she's always wanted me home more and stuff. I was like, this is shocking. And so then I was like, now, hold on. Are you sure about that? And she was like, well, if you feel differently, you've already made your decision." I was like, no, no, no. I, I just like, this doesn't seem like your typical reaction at all. I just want to make sure that you're not saying, keep doing that and you're gonna end up really mad later. And and I said, because you realize right now that 55, 60 hours a week is gonna suddenly turn into like 70 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And then I really won't be home. And I said, so is that what you want? And she was like, fine, just take a half salary. And that actually ended up being a really big kind of triumphant decision. Uh Um, Kaylee, who we hired, um, is an athletic trainer. She was working at the MTC down in Provo. Um, She transitioned over here immediately. She's been great. The members love her. She does great patient care. Um, She's been really reliable. I have no no complaints about Kaylee. But what's happened is because Kaylee's been here, now I have, I'm not really working less hours, like maybe a couple hours less a week. So Mm -hmm. I'm still putting in 50 plus hours a week. But now I have about twenty hours of that time each week where I can focus on administrative and management stuff. Yeah, which
0: stuff. is that's pretty big. Like, it's huge. Yeah, I was listening. It was like, I think it was like the founder of New Skin or something. Mm-hmm. But like, this is a great example of his. He said, starting a, a profitable organization or company. Is one of the most charitable things you can do. <laughs> it's because, like, exactly what you said is like, I'm gonna take a half salary mm-hmm. to provide more work, basically, to yeah. employ another person. Yep. And which is tough. It's like, it kind of hurts you at first, but in the long run, you're able to have more time doing important things. Mm-hmm. Even if it's like, yeah, you go spend some like admin stuff, you're still yeah. here in the office. But it's like, if you want, you can go, like, go see your family before. Because you're usually gone before they wake up and get home when they're about to go to sleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my
1: typical day, I leave before my kids or my wife wakes up. I mean, it's a dark house. I get up Mm -hmm. because I still want to be involved. I make my kids lunches before I I leave for work. And then I get home, like, typically 6.30 in the evening, sometimes 7.00. And so like dinner is like either like happening late or it's over by the time I get there. I get a little bit of time with my kids before we put them in bed. So that, and that's tough. And and it is, if you start a, so this is why anybody who's never started a business should never criticize business owners who become successful and make money because they don't understand the sacrifices that are made. We have 17 employees here at the training room. And I have never missed a paycheck for any of those employees. We always pay them first and worry about ourselves second. And so, and, and a lot of them don't even realize that. They don't realize that every month, like that first month, right? When it was like, hey, I'm gonna pay payroll and rent and we're gonna be broke. None of the employees knew that. We never told yeah. them that. They don't need to know that. But behind the scenes, that's the stress that we're having is, hey, we're gonna be broke not only can we not pay ourselves, how are we gonna pay the bills moving forward, right? Yeah. And the employees don't know that, they don't see that, and honestly, most of them don't care, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There, there's a handful of them that will. The ones who don't care would be like, hey, well, if you go belly up, I'll go find a, another yeah. job somewhere else, yeah, right? There's a
0: Young Living right here. That's right, or Taco
1: Bell, Taco Bell's hiring, you know? And like, yeah, you we know, get some part-time work over there, I can make some money. But yeah, <laughs> um, but, uh. but yeah that's, they don't see it that way. Um, But there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into running a business and making it successful. And yeah, absolutely. So I don't begrudge, and I'm not there yet, I don't begrudge business owners who become millionaires, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know what? They probably sacrificed a heck of a lot right out of the gate to make it go. And they made sure that everyone around them, their employees, their customers were all taken care of first and worried about themselves second. And that's yeah. that's part of being a business owner, but if you're willing to make that kind of effort and make that kind of sacrifice, work the longest hours for the least reward i'm I'm literally the lowest paid employee here at the gym right now, like I did the numbers. I think when I looked last time I was making like eight or nine dollars an hour is what wow. I make right now yeah. <laughs> and so it's it's pretty lousy but but at least I'm getting something right yeah and um
0: a lot of people I think. I watch Shark Tank a lot. What's, uh-huh. his, I think it's like Robert something. I I don't know his last name, but he said when he first started at his business, it took him nine years for him to pay himself. Yeah. And like you, it's like yeah, like you could be paying yourself more, but you would decide to recruit, yeah. hire more people and share your money that way. Yeah. Which eventually just goes all back into the yeah the business to build it. Um. Well, and I've even
1: thought since January, I've considered not taking any salary again, not to save money but because what I could do is Kaylee, who's working part-time, I could make her full-time and then I could have, instead of having 20 hours a week to do administrative stuff, I could have 40 hours a week to do administrative stuff. Um, and and I haven't made that decision to do that yet and I, I don't think it's imminent but that's the kind of stuff that I think about. It's like, how can how can I put more value from me into the business, and not put a drain on the business? And there's just I don't know. There's and every you know every month there's there's a there's a shifting focus for me. It's like, well, what do I need to worry about now? What what's my new target? My new goals in two thousand eighteen. Every month. I was hoping we would break the $40,000 a month revenue threshold. Mm -hmm. And we never did in 2018. And I was kind of bummed about that. And then 2015, or 2019, I'm going backwards in time. I'm losing (laughs) my mind. You were still planning back then. In 2019, January, we broke the $50,000 threshold. So that was huge. So so here I'd been hoping to break $40,000. We broke $50,000 for the month of January. And now, when I look at things, I consider 40,000 to be a bad month, right? So it used to be 40,000 just a few months ago. Like, I mean, literally, like three yeah. and a half, four months ago, 40,000 was like, that'll mean we've succeeded. And now it's, I look at 40,000 as that was a bad month for us. And so we're. a Yeah, mind, and you mind shift all along. Yeah. You're like, okay, so, so what happens here? And what does this mean? And this that and the other. And like, you know, we've had things constantly change and evolve for us like originally we didn't have a sales manager now we have a sales manager we had a general manager we weren't originally going to have a general manager but because I was drowning we hired one and then she just gave us her two weeks notice last week and that could have been a huge hit to us but instead the way I'm looking at that situation is I'm like you know what that 's going to save me forty five hundred dollars a month in <laughs> payroll, and now that i 've freed myself up a lot because I have help doing the patient care,
0: yeah. I can
1: take on more of those responsibilities, and it doesn 't cost us any more money yeah. and so there's, and there 's always going to be punches that you 're rolling with, right mm-hmm. whether it 's transition of employees, a bad month, uh, you know something goes haywire, you know taxes are due, whatever it is there 's always going yeah. to be
0: something that throws that so a is. wrench
1: in the works, right.
0: Yeah, especially um, was it? Kind of think about like the Mike Tyson quote: was "Like everyone's got a plan until like, they get punched." Pun- in the
1: face. Yeah, to get and hit in like, the mouth, right? Your
0: first month was like you basically almost got knocked out. Oh yeah, dude, that was brutal. That <laughs> yeah. was
1: that was a big punch to the mouth. That like I honestly thought at the end of July <laughs> of two thousand eighteen, our first month doing business, I was like, I've made a horrible decision. We're gonna be bankrupt in like two months, and we're gonna be screwed for a long time because we <laughs> yeah. gotta pay a lot of money back what's
0: so. like on that too it's like how how do you keep going after like you had so many setbacks, and it's like what like you just it's like can't quit like whatever What like, right. kept you going well but you
1: can see the successes right you can uh-huh. see the small successes you're like hey this is good right so you go right in you, you after the punch in the mouth in july we doubled our revenues going into august it's like hey clearly we're successful right clearly mm-hmm. people like what we do clearly we're moving in the right direction I had members of the gym honestly coming to talk to me in my office while I was doing patient care.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And they'd be like, so are you guys going to be, like, around? Like, like, they were worried about us financially. They're, yeah. li- they're like, we love this gym. We just want to make sure it's going to be here in a year. And yeah. I'm like, don't worry about it. Like, financially, we're okay. Like, uh-huh. like we, we planned, you know, for how we were going to be able to carry things when we weren't making money in this, that, and the other. And... I said, yeah, don't worry about it. I was like, I mean, we're not, like, loaded, but, like, I was like, we're going to be okay. So people were liking what we did, and then, like, the Google reviews started to come in. We're still... We are not good with social media marketing. We're not good Mm -hmm. with marketing in general. We don't really do SEO, this and that and the other. And so... But we're seeing a lot of different successes. In those. And so let me, let me tell you about Google reviews. Google reviews is one of the ways that I use as kind of the yardstick to measure us versus other companies. Mm-hmm. So who has the most Google reviews out there of all the gyms in the county right now? Vasa Fitness. Why does Vasa have the most Google reviews? Because they have 15,000 members per location and you've got you know, two in Orem, one in American Fork, one in Spanish Fork. I mean, you're talking yeah. like tens of thousands of members and they've got about 550 Google reviews right now with an average star rating of 3.8 out of five stars. Not amazing, but the thing is, they actually used to be around like 2.7 stars, but they've been doing, and I know this because I actually know some of the companies that they're involved with, but they've been doing a lot of review management to actually increase the quality of their reviews. And so they've raised themselves up from like 2.7 to 3.8 stars on their 550 reviews. Mm-hmm. So they have the most reviews of anybody, and but their star rating isn't amazing. Um, you also have Planet Fitness has a whole bunch of reviews up there again, similar like sub four yeah. star rating. American Fork Rec Center. Some of these places have been around for years and years, have thousands and thousands of members. They have the most reviews, but not great ratings. Um, and then there's us. So we're, we're first in total number of reviews behind all these big gyms. And we haven't even been open for a calendar year yet. Mm-hmm. So we now, we're sitting around 110 reviews with almost all of them being five stars. Wow. You go, the next, <laughs> step, the next step down from us is a gym that's been around for like seven years and they have 80 something reviews. And granted, most of theirs are five stars, Mm -hmm. but it's like we've done in less than a year what more than they did in seven years successfully. And then you go to like another big gym, another big name in the area is Orange Theory Fitness. Orange Theory Fitness is the biggest gym in the country, right, it's been exploding for the last seven years. Um, They're building stupid amounts of gyms all over, they're all franchise ownership, the reason Mm -hmm. why is because they make tons of money. I don't really love them as a business and, and I won't digress on that. Orange Theory, Lehigh is their flagship location for Utah County right now. Makes the most money, has the most members. It's been around for four or five years. They have 37 Google reviews with an average star rating of 4.4 stars or something like that. So they're a big gym with a nationwide <coughs> brand presence. Yeah. And we have been more successful than they have been. So now when you go and you search gyms near me, we're not in the magic top three, which is where we want to be, but mm-hmm. we're four or five, right? Yeah. So we're almost in the magic top three and the only people who are ahead of us have been around for years and have, like in the case of Vasa, have like five times as many reviews as we have, but not even near this high quality. Yeah. And so it, we've done so much. When I look at those little successes, I'm like, look how good we are, right? Mm-hmm. Look how much people like what we do <laughs> and how amazing we are at our job. And you, like, this is what we should be doing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, there's people who come in here who are like, I, I don't get it, I don't like it. I mean, like, in yeah, the beginning, there's... that first month when we first opened and there was nobody coming in hardly, I, I would help do tours. And I had a guy come in, he literally walks in the front doors and we have this huge 5,000 square foot turf field, which is an amazing part of the yeah, gym. Yeah, that's nice, yeah. Um, he looks at the turf field and he's a bodybuilder, and he goes, what a waste. And I was like, dude, you're not our client, right? And, like, and, it was, and I, I was like, everybody else who loves the gym thinks that's the most amazing space. I think it's the most amazing space. That's where we do most of our athletic training for young athletes and adult athletes who are more of your weekend warrior types or mm-hmm. people who are just more committed to fitness. Like that's an amazing, that part of the gym gets used way more than the other 7,000 square feet of equipment ever does. And so for him to come in and say, what a waste, means he doesn't get it, right? Yeah. And it's kind of a,
0: He's hey just dude. not your customer. And, and I
1: just shake his hand. I'm like, that's okay. I respect, I respect that this is not your scene. And his response is like, I can go to Vasa. I'm like, then you should go to Vasa, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I don't say that with animosity, right? It's not like, well, go to Vasa, jerk. It's like... Yeah, you can go to VASA and you're going to have the VASA experience. Yeah, We're not providing a VASA experience and we don't want to provide a VASA experience. We have no interest in being VASA. We want to run a high-quality gym that's based around the training that athletes do and we want to cater on a high-end experience. We want to have daycare included. We want to have our healthcare included. We don't want to have hidden fees the way VASA does. Like, that's the thing. People keep asking us. They're like, there's really no other fees? I'm like, no. Literally, the price you see on the website is the price you will pay. There's no sign-up fee. There's no cancellation fee. There's no yeah. freeze fees. There's no rate guarantee fees. There's no maintenance fees. This is the price, right? We're not interested in tricking you or fooling you. And if you don't like the experience here, we're not interested in trying to keep you here in a long-term contract because all that's going to do is make you mad. We're not VASA. And we don't want to be VASA, we want to be who we are because we've already demonstrated, like I said, in less than 10 months that we're good at what we do and people like what we do. And if we keep on that track, then I'm cautiously optimistic the end of 2019 we can be discussing expansion. Like, that's nice, how successful yeah. we've been. I mean, that's, like, there's, we got a lot of work to do to yeah. get there, right? And it's, like, you can't just be like, well, we're good. Let's sit back and watch watch the yeah, money roll in, you right? You got to stay hungry. You're always, yeah, absolutely. You got to be hungry all the time. You got to get out there and do the work. And we're revising how we're approaching our marketing. We're going to start hitting more social media stuff. We've not gone after orange theory in mm-hmm. our marketing, but we just made the decision that we're about to go for the throat, right? Because Orange yeah. Theory members pay the same thing as our members do, but Orange Theory has fees. They have no additional services like the healthcare or the daycare. They I have a smaller gym, too. they have less less Equipment and opportunities, you can't do open gym. Like, they're less than us in every way possible. Like, I cannot think of a single way in which Orange Theory is better than us, other than that they have more orange lights in their building. Like, which I guess is, if you're into orange lights, then maybe like Orange Theory. So, (laughs) if we go for the jugular and we can get just A handful of Orange Theory members, like 100 or 200 of their members, boom, we're off to the races. And so,
0: and we haven't even done that stuff yet. So, yeah, and I think it's like, it's funny and it's pretty cool too that basically you guys don't know what you're doing, especially when it comes (laughs) to marketing, but it's like you see a lot of reviews. It's big when you get over, like, even like 20 is pretty big for one year, but you guys got over 100. Yeah. Like five star reviews. And
1: the thing is, so, and you're right. It is funny, and I often tell people this, I'm like, we've actually done really well considering how much we've screwed up. Oh my like we, we screw up a ton here. And not like colossal screw ups. So our members are like, man, I hate this place. They're always screwing up. It's like behind the scenes, the things our members don't see, the mistakes we make, it's like, we're trying to figure out how to run this efficiently mm-hmm. and effectively. And we're really still trying to figure that out. But despite our struggles in trying to figure that out, we've been very successful. And on the reviews thing, this was a realization for me. So I was, um, we had pre-planned a trip to go visit my parents in Boston a couple weeks ago. And the day before I was leaving, I realized I'm an idiot. So in the last nine months, I've done 500 physicals. Sports physicals, commercial driver physicals, all this and and the other. Those people loved me to death and would give a review in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And I realized I haven't asked a single one of those people for a review and every single one of them would give me a five-star review. I'm like, we could have 600 five-star reviews right now if I had pulled my brain out of my butt and like thought about it. Yeah,
0: just asked them So now I'm doing
1: that. Like, just since I got back, um, I've started doing that. I haven't reached out to those past people But that's the next step, is to go to those past people from the last nine months and say, hey, will you drop us a Google review? Because every single person I've asked has said, no problem, happy to do it. And so if I could do that successfully and we could have 600 five-star reviews, we'd be number one every time somebody searched on Google. We wouldn't have to do any fancy SEO marketing Mm -hmm. or this, that, the other. We'd just be, boom, right there at the top. And everyone would say, wow, why is this gym... Rated so high, and then they come find out. So, and it
0: was a big part too when you first started off. Said ex- you know exactly this is a high end gym, mm-hmm. like, we're not gonna be basically like Vasa where they offer like $10, $20 memberships. Yeah. But it's like when you get in there, a lot of times it's kind of like a nightclub where it's like <laughs> you gotta wait to use yeah. the bench, you gotta wait to use the squat rack. Yep, and it's like a uh, majority of people go and like are doing curls because they're waiting to...
1: Do something else, yeah. yeah.
0: And so here, it's like, it's pretty... You got your room, like, it's a lot no, you of got room. got plenty of room. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you're not waiting in line, it's not... like It you're...
1: still feels practically empty here. That's the it crazy thing. It feels empty, yeah. Because, so we're close to, volume-wise, we're similarly sized to a Vasa. But we have no, like they like said, they have 10, 15,000 members per location. We have like five hundred. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to a guy the other day who just joined the gym, and I said, imagine this place twice as busy as it is right now. And he was like, yeah, it'd still be pretty comfortable to work out, I was like, right? So if it was twice as busy as it is right now, we would be discussing expansion. Because we would have more than enough money to go back to any bank and be like, we've just proven the business model, this is how much Uh we bring in every month now we wanna build a building or build a second location or whatever whatever it is we feel we wanna do because mm-hmm. we could justify that. And he was like, man, that's awesome. Like, I was like, we will never let it turn into that because we don't need to let it turn into that. And the people who come here love that about it like I mean yeah it was hard early on because like some people are like oh no the energy's not good enough I'm like I know I know but we're six weeks in like give us a chance right like, yeah. <laughs> like we weren't gonna have five million members the the second day we yeah. open right and and that's definitely picked up but nobody here wants it to turn into that kind of crowd that VASA has.
0: yeah and aren't your membership capped too Yes,
1: we don't know exactly what the hard cap will be. It's really gonna be based on how crowded it feels. The minute it starts to feel like, hey, you know what, it's feeling kind of busy, it's getting a little bit harder to get on, like now you have to wait 30 Mm -hmm. seconds to a minute to get on a machine or something, we'll cap it. Because we're like, nope, we don't want that to happen ever. We want everyone to have always the access that they need while they're here. And we should, like, I anticipate that will happen somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 members. Like I said we 're about a quarter of the way there right now, but as I also pointed out, if we had twice as many members, we could be looking at expansion so yeah. from that perspective, we could cap it at a thousand members and we mm-hmm. could expand so
0: and what about so <clears throat> like so say you you're able to expand that the next door just barely like, kind of you're able to lease that, would you like? Put in pools, basketball, or...
1: Well, originally, we thought about that somewhat over Uh there. The problem is those spaces adjacent to us have just been taken up. Mm -hmm. It turns out there's also some underlying problems in the building that most people don't know about. Like, there's leaky roofs that we have to deal with, and there's plumbing issues because it's like a 60-year-old building, and... So we've come to the conclusion for our purposes, even though our members don't necessarily see these things a lot and we try to keep them fixed so they don't see them, we probably don't want to stay in this building long term. Uh Now, that's a discussion that has to happen with me and my partners when we get to that point. But I foresee us potentially building a building and not too far away from here, like maybe even across the freeway. Mm -hmm. And we would, if we got to that point, with our current overhead between our rent and our loan payment and this, that, and the other, we could build a building at that point that would cost five or six million dollars, and it could be three times this size, have all the bells and whistles, mm-hmm. have basketball courts and swimming pools and an Uber daycare and climbing walls and all of this stuff, and it wouldn't actually cost us any more money than what we currently pay. And so, so that's kind of what I see us potentially doing. But right now, we'll we'll keep running the ship here as we, as we're best able to. Like we're gonna we're discussing right now adding a bouldering course off our turf field, um, so that people can do rock climbing because that's one of the uh-huh. things that Utah County is really interested in. There's really um, that's,
0: outdoorsy people over here. Yeah,
1: and it's not that's not a huge expense for us to add something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, we're talking about a couple thousand dollars, but like, you know, it's not ridiculous. It's not going to cost us twenty thousand dollars to do something like that. And a lot of people would like it, and that would probably help us grow our memberships even more.
0: And I guess in closing, like all the stuff you guys like, you're still like anxious to like progress, and it's like it seems like. Yeah, we made you guys made fifty k last month, and it's just like oh, a lot of people are like, oh, we're doing good, you know. But it's like, <laughs> uh, like when you're measuring that off of like potentially, yeah, like your potential, it's like it's it's nothing basically. Yeah, and you still got a a lot to grow, and like just by listening to you, and you're excited to grow too. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like a word in closing, and just like word for advice, somebody. That wants to get started, just like, yeah, you're gonna like, what's, what's um, a piece of advice for somebody like that?
1: I would say put in the work before you, you get started. I think a lot of people hamstring themselves when they're starting a business because they don't really think about what all is gonna go into it. And if you're not aware right out of the gate, and, and you're gonna find some things out. Right, like there's yeah. things we found out, but but I spent three and a half years working just towards the opening on this, and because of that, we knew pretty much what to expect. Um, there's there's been a couple of little surprises here and there, but for the most part, we knew and we knew what we were biting off, and we knew um, that we felt comfortable with that. And so, if you know that and you feel and you feel a passion for what you want to do then you can be successful. I think a lot of people struggle because they weren't really prepared going in and then they don't really feel a passion for what they do. Like they just, if you see it just as a means of making money and not something that's fun for you to do at the same time, it's gonna be hard for you to be successful because you're gonna be so worn out all the time. Like I'm worn out anyway but I love what I do. Yeah, right? And, and like hope. so it's it's like it's cool. Like I go out home at the end of the day I'm like, "Oh, I didn't finish everything I needed to do, but I finished most of it and it was a good day and yeah. I'm happy and I and I did what I wanted for work." And so anyway, then you can be successful.
0: Uh, yeah. And so uh, I wanted to ask too, like say if you're like you now were able to like kind of teleport back into time and give yourself some piece of advice, like a month, like ten months ago, when you guys first started, or even like on that first loan, like before you blew hundred and twenty grand. Yeah. Like what? What advice? This one you, piece. I yeah, only get one piece. Oh crap. Two. Two things. Oh mention.
1: gosh. Um, I have so much advice I'd give myself. I would. Um, First of all, I I never would have tried to build the building, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have saved me one hundred and twenty thousand. Um, and I also would have negotiated a lot harder on our lease here with Woodbury Corporation. Those are two big things. Yeah. Um, if I had to do it all over again, like I would have played a lot more hardball.
0: I found that out myself too. When you're able to negotiate if you negotiate harder and even on the other end where people are trying to like bring your price down, it's like dude prices. Yeah. We're not a cheap Yeah. We
1: don't negotiate our gym prices. Like it's like, this is the price. Like
0: you are going to get your money's worth. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, but those, yeah, I could give myself so much more advice, but those are the two things. I wouldn't try to build the building and I would have negotiated hard with Woodbury to get a better lease rate. And we have an okay lease rate, but I would have gotten a better one. All
0: right, sweet. Well, thanks, James. It's been nice. Thank you, Kapu. Yeah. Thank you, guys, for listening for today's podcast with James Eager on The Training Room. Um, One thing I really loved in this interview, how he mentioned how he lost that 20 Gs, and instead of thinking about how maybe this is not meant for him, you know, taking that huge punch to the face we talked about earlier, and uh, honestly, almost knocked him out, he, they almost went out of business first month, and the second month, luckily they're through hard work, and basically their commitment, all in all, not quitting, they were able to bounce back, and and get pro- profitable, um, and hope you guys were able to take something from this interview, and Please leave a comment what you learned, what you liked. Rate us five star. Give us that review. And thank you guys again. See you guys next time. Bye bye.